He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, today joined by my good buddy, somebody who I have just enjoyed watching burn Twitter to the ground, like, time and 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 time again. Uh, Matt Moore of the Action Network <laughs> is here with me. I'm going to be honest, dude. <laughs> I saw that Lakers Twitter was was dunking on you or you know <laughs> screen grabbing tweets and doing all of that um, a few hours before I was getting ready to talk to you after arranging this last week and I'm just like why <laughs> I didn't start it well this is the thing is I didn't start it like I would just mind in my own business if somebody if somebody comes in my mentions and is like hey what do you think about Anthony Davis right now or if they if they share the tweet that I have which was like Anthony Davis is a shell of what people can like the gap between what Anthony Davis is the idea of what Anthony Davis is and the reality Mm -hmm. is very is very far apart and somebody I think it was was at the time Honey was like you said this after four games lol and I was like yeah because it had been two years of this like, yeah, it was not four games. If it was four games, I've been like, ah, whatever. AD will be fine. It's been two years. Um, <laughs> if somebody had had shared that and been like, hey, do you have updated thoughts on this? Even if it was like a little snarky, like, hey, just wanted to check in on this. I yeah. and this is what I said. He's been great. He's been amazing. Like, beat the beat beat the snot out of the Washington Wizards. Absolutely yeah. cave the heads in of the San Antonio Spurs. Beat Giannis in the Bucks. That's like that's a good win. And so like. I did. I definitely. This is my thing. If you come in my mentions and are like, "How about this thing that you said that was accurate at the time?" I'm gonna get mad. I'm just gonna be like, "Yeah, this is annoying." Like, don't. <laughs> it's if I said something that was. If I had said Anthony Davis will never be good again. Anthony You're Davis holding is scissors. Run <laughs> and, <laughs> an elite big man is done. <laughs> Over. Where did you even get scissors from? I used to have a hammer down here, which is, I got to get it back down here. Um, if like, that was what, if that was something I said, yeah. then, I, then I would understand being like, Hey, lol, what about this? Yeah. But I don't do that because I, I understand that NBA careers are not linear. Right. Yeah. And so like, so, I, if, if you've been like, Hey, can Anthony Davis have a stretch of nine games where he looks like the best player on the planet? I would be like, yeah, absolutely. Can happen. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's all right. So there's a lot to a lot to unpack here. One, where did the scissors come from? (laughs) I just looked. I'm sitting here. here. I'm working on because we're gonna like clip some of this stuff for social. So I was like making sure that I had your at right and everything was spelled properly. And I look up and you're waving scissors at me. (laughs) And like what says like it's been so it's been a year because I brought these down here to to wrap Christmas presents in my office in the basement, Uh right? And so like, I brought the, yes, I, I, I guess I blogged from the basement. Yeah. Just another blogger from the basement. Uh-huh. I don't write down here though. I write upstairs in the sunlight. Um, <laughs> so I brought this down here, but the sad part is I brought this down here and this has been here for a year. And then like very recently I was like yelling at my wife, like, where are the scissors? Can we buy more scissors? I cannot find them. So yeah. now like I'm realizing that I've just been the jerk to my wife uh-huh. and making her buy more scissors when reality is I just brought them down here and <laughs> I feel like that's that's a universal truth that there are never enough scissors in the house. Like no matter how many pairs of scissors that you have, you can never find them when you need them. We have two pairs of scissors. One's a pair of cooking shears and then another one is a pair of like something closer to actual scissors. And when the kids when the kids take the kitchen shears, I get mad. I yeah. get like I'm the cook in the house, so I'm like no 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 no. Like Yeah. No 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 no. You oh, we have so many knives. This, yeah and it's just because of yeah i, I do i do mo- most of the cooking um all right so now that we've we've gotten past the scissors i <laughs> i i want to be clear on this because i can see where this is all coming from in that like anthony davis was pretty uninspiring at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and he was pretty uninspiring last year 
-hmm. and he was pretty uninspiring the year before that. Mm -hmm. And he was incredible in the bubble when everybody's shooting numbers were through the roof. Yeah. So like all of that is true. Also, he's been the best player in the sport the last like week or so. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think, like, I think a lot of what's going on here, especially with Lakers fans is, I think it's two part. It's relief because I think there was, if they were being honest here, if they were being truthful and actually looking in the mirror in this moment, they would be saying like, yeah, I think I had doubt that he would ever get back to this level. Yeah. You know, but instead of, instead of identifying that in the mirror, it's a lot easier to do that with the big bad Matt Moore of the Action Network yeah. on the interwebs. So I think that's part of it. I mean, now, I was about this. I think about this just about okay. So no one's ever going to feel bad for Lakers fans because of the extremely blessed history that they've had. Yeah. But if you remove that, because like I feel I live in Denver, right? And so Broncos fans are super sad right now. Like they are just the saddest pandas <laughs> in the zoo. Yeah. They're so sad. They're just like, oh, I'm so such a sad panda. And I'm like, you won the title in 2016. Like the Chiefs yeah. had not won a, a Super Bowl for the last, it was 25 years before, or like it, it was 20 years yeah. before I was born. Right. Mm-hmm. And I suffered until I, I was like 38. So I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them, but I do kind of understand that it's just like you won, you hear you're used to your team competing. And it's even harder because everyone clowns on you when you fall. But beyond all of that, like just like the normal Lakers fans that are just like, I just want my team to be good. You go through the entire misery of the, mm-hmm. of the 2010s, right? From the time that you win the title in 2010, essentially from that moment until 2019, yeah, it's just a load of misery. The worst stretch in franchise history, the first year with LeBron doesn't work out, all this, that, and the other. And you win the title. Right. And you don't get to celebrate it because everyone's mm-hmm. in a pandemic. And then afterwards, things fall apart and then they fall apart again. Yeah, and then worse. they fall apart again. And now you're here. So I, I understand that the desire to be like something good is happening. Can we just be happy that something good is happening? And that I totally agree with. Like, I completely agree with that. It's just yeah. that um, the best way to celebrate those things is just to be like, hey, this good thing is happening. And if you say that to me, I'm going to be like, yeah, he's been awesome. He's been yeah. absolutely killer. He's just been phenomenal. If he plays like this the entire year, he wins MVP and the Lakers are probably like a top five seed. They'll dig their way out of this. Like the Lakers could be good. If this is what Anthony Davis is going to be for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It, it's so not. I said that it was two pronged. I think this reaction is one because of people's, you know, Lakers fans own concern that they didn't know they would ever see this from Anthony Davis right. again. Um, and then the other part of it is like one of my least favorite trends. And at this point, it's not even a trend. It's just like the, it's a, it's an MO of conversations on the internet about sports, or maybe even just conversations in general about stuff that people disagree about is people don't just make points anymore. It always has to be, I'm making this point in response to some hypothetical person who's making the opposite of that point. Right? Oh yeah. It's, it's like the, it's the worst. It's just like, and, say your thing. Say your well, thing. No, and also, I'll <laughs> cop to it. Right. Yeah. So like I do locked on nuggets with Adam Mares, And one of the things that Adam gets most frustrated with me about, and he's right to, is that I wind up like entrenching myself in positions against what people are saying. Like the, like I'm oh, so annoyed that people think that Zeke <laughs> Naji is a top five big in the league that I'm like, guys, I think it's okay if he doesn't play. Like, I just don't know that Zeke Naji's any good. I just don't know. I don't really know when I kind of lean towards maybe not. Um, but then I go too far on it. Like, it's like, you know, Zeke Naji's bad. It's like, Zeke Naji's not bad. We don't know. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm prone to being sucked into that conversation. That's definitely part of it. And I, I do think that, that the entire thing of Lakers fans and the Lakers are um, among a fan base that I would count Philadelphia, Houston, Not Toronto right now for a couple of years there um, and a few others that basically just like it it gets really ramped up and it gets really intense. And I think some of the fans, they get annoyed at annoyed analyst reaction to annoying commenters. It's like this whole big cycle. And that's one (laughs) of the things that can cause issues, because if you if you get me to just be like, hey, can like talk to me for 30 seconds about Anthony Davis and I'll just be like when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And he's engaged 
and he's playing well, he's an unstoppable force. I once called him a pterodactyl. Like that's what yeah. he feels like to me. He's just yeah. everywhere. And like his stocks, the last nine games, he's like, like 4.3 stocks. Are you kidding me? That's insane. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And he's hitting jumpers and he impacts the game in so many ways. And like, it, it's phenomenal. Like this is what the, and I will say this too, though. The problem is, is that people talk about this stretch of time. And this is how he's discussed as a player in totality. Yeah. And that's where I think there's a lot of like, oh, yeah. Right? Well, I think I think people see the talent and they see him fulfilling the talent and they think they they, they think that he can just be that talent or the, be that productive or, that he is. or impactful. Like or that, that if that, he's that's... not, it's because it, or if he's not, if, if he's not, it's just because of the injuries or if he's not, it's just because of the rest of the team or any of these other types of things. And it's like, no, like Anthony Davis is an inconsistent superstar. Like, yeah, that is what I, he is. Well, I think. I mean, I, I don't want to psychoanalyze the guy because I've I've never even had a conversation with him. But, um, I, I, and I'll get to that in a second. But like, you know, you, you come off of a game like last night, and and the game before that was the Bucks game, and yeah. and that's impressive for another variety of reasons, given who he's going against. But last night, like I I went and I rewatched it, and then I was looking at the stats again this morning, <laughs> and and it's the perfect Anthony Davis game. It's like. If you could just draw up what Anthony Davis at his absolute best would look like, 55 points, 17 boards, 20, 22 of 30 yeah. from the field, and 2 of 3 from three-point range, 9 of 9 from the free throw line. Like, if he's playing like that, yeah. his team is winning. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. And and I think that's the part of it that, you know, for me, I, I have been very, very hard on Anthony Davis and probably the hardest on Anthony Davis in, in especially Lakers coverage. And the reason that I have been that hard on him is because he's that talented, right? It's he's, he's so like, I have, I have made the argument and I think I stand by it still. He's the most talented player in the NBA. Like he's, he's, he's a seven footer who is who has incredible footwork who is insanely impactful defensively and is capable of shooting threes and i think and it's almost become this double age double age well capable of shooting them like when he shoots them it looks natural it, i'm not saying that he's capable of making threes that's a big big difference there the ball gets but, to the rim yes <laughs> well it, it again it so when I used to watch, like if you ever watched Andrew Bynum shoot a three-pointer, if you ever watched like Dwight yeah. Howard shoot a mm -hmm. three-pointer, like that doesn't look natural. If it goes in, it's like, oh, how about that? But Anthony Davis, you see him shoot it, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense that the ball would go in coming off of that stroke. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think this guy is is one of the most talented players in Lakers history, one of the most talented players, one of the most talented athletes that I have ever seen across sports. And like, and yet, because he's that talented, I think he actually falls victim to that talent where because it's so easy for him to shoot that step back fadeaway jumper that nobody has a prayer of ever fully contesting, he can he he feels like, yeah, that's just a good shot. That's that's the best shot that I can take here. When no, the best shot that you can take is set a good hard screen, roll to the basket, and dunk on entire cities. And, and like I watch Jokic and, and th this is always a comparison. I used to also do a show with Adam on, on, um, that same network. And, and the thing that he and I would always just kind of laugh at is how willing Jokic can be to just pick the same scab over and over and over and over and have no problem whatsoever. Just, you know, being boring, but being just a migraine that is just in the same exact half an inch diameter on your head that you feel like you're going to die from and and ad though he just he wants to go from setting that screen and and dunking a whole bunch to no i think i'm gonna i'm gonna do the the hakeem impression this game no i think i'm gonna shoot seven threes this game and it's like no ad just just focus on the stuff that you're really really good at and and i think i think that's the thing that has been the difference in this 10 or so game stretch is he is focusing on those things in a way that we have been begging him to. <laughs> so, so like watching him do this, playing in a way that we've been begging him to, for me, it's incredible to watch, but it's also like, 
can you just do this all the time? Can, is that okay? Can we just stick to this? Uh, so someone shared this stat with me. The first 15 games, Anthony Davis's effective field goal percentage on shots outside of 10 feet. Okay, mm-hmm. first 15, 32.1%. Uh, mm-hmm. That's bad. It's really, really, yeah. really, really bad. Uh, the last five games, 62.5%. It's really, 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 really good. Right. So the question here is, because I, I would say like, you have to be careful with this. And we do like, we're doing this with the, I, the comparison is really apt here between Anthony Davis and the Boston Celtics, which I know Lakers fans love um, in that. Like the question is like, if you ask Celtics fans for a while, they're like, yeah, we'll probably regress at some point. And now they're at the point you can tell that they're like, but what if we don't like, <laughs> what if this is just who we are? like, who's to say, like, yeah. look, the numbers say that we're the best shooting team of all time. That's what the numbers say. Why can't it be real? And I think you get kind of caught where even if he's making better decisions and he is attacking the rim more and he's doing these types of things, what happens to the production? What happens to the efficiency? What happens to the game? What happens to the Lakers? If what has always been kind of a determining factor of his impact, which is, is that jumper falling or not? You know, is, is he really going to be like, okay, the jumper's not falling. I'm going to attack even harder on the inside. And he has probably no, because he's going to be like, he's a, he's a real hooper and real hoopers are like, I, this felt like a good shot to me. And so I took it because yeah. that's what, that's my game. Right. Right. And and that's like the big difference between you know professional basketball players that are the best in the world and schlub analysts who are like that's a not that's not like you're that's a bad approach you're not gonna it's not sustainable is that they know what it's like to actually play and that experience does not always translate into the numbers or watching it or anything and so I think that's like an interesting question of you know can Anthony Davis maximize himself in a way where he's adaptable to what his team needs. That's like the best. That's what defines the best players, but also the best bigs in NBA history is Mm -hmm. when they sent hard doubles at Hakeem. He tore them up by being one of the absolute best passers out of the double that I've ever seen. Um, When Shaq would face the same kind of things, like Shaq had a good sense for, not just bum hunting, but like, okay, we've got opportunities I can pass and make other guys better. And it's not just those things. It's not just passing. It's whatever the, the thing is. If, you know, if it's like, no, they can't guard me. I'm going to go inside, you know, and Joker, like you mentioned, Joker does this where if he knows he's got the advantage, he will go at him consistently. He doesn't just start settling. Mm-hmm. It's not just about settle or not settle. It's just about the feel for what your team needs. And if Davis can continue to, adapt to those things even if the numbers regress the lakers are still going to be awesome because of that combination of talent that you talked about well and that's that's what's made the last couple years so frustrating is that you know in a way i i i'm not going to credit i'm not actually giving him credit for this because it wasn't intentional but because the lakers don't really have a playable center beyond anthony davis um AD has to play center. Like that's just what he has to be. And, and as a result of that, like this is, this is the AD that I've been begging for, right? When he was happy that the Lakers signed DeAndre Jordan, because it meant that he thought he would have to, he would be able to start at power forward. It was like, it was, it was a, a, a great summary of what was so frustrating about this guy in that like yeah he is a capable power forward he's capable of doing the things that you need to do to be a pretty good power forward but he's also capable of being an otherworldly center like he's not capable of being an otherworldly power forward but he is capable of being an old otherworldly center and and this is what it looks like this is what it looks like when he focuses on being an otherworldly center um and and you know It'd be cool if it continues. It'll be interesting to see if this kind of, uh, if he if he sticks with these things that he's doing now. Like, I, unfortunately, on a ba- basketball reference, I'm not able to um, compare, like, parts of the season to other parts in their shooting area. Because, like, right now, field goal percentage by, by distance, right, he's taking uh, 60... 
one percent of his field goals are are two pointers, and that's way up from the last couple of years. Where two years ago, uh, you know, fifty three per well fifty four percent of them were two pointers. Last year it was fifty seven percent, and and this year you know sixty one percent of them are two pointers. That means that like, yeah. I, I, he realized yeah, I can't shoot threes. <laughs> so right. I'm going to really focus on shooting, shooting twos. And then I would like to be able to, to break down over the last 10 games or so what he's doing in terms of distance away from it. Because right now, like I think some of his numbers here are still being skewed by the beginning of the year where he was taking a, a lot more of those jumpers. So, I mean, I, I've got right here. I'll just tell you, like Go for it. He, he averaged, he's averaging three more shots inside 10 feet than last season. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like it, but on the, in terms of the last nine games which is when the stretch started for them. Uh, he's taking about the same number of shots inside 10 feet. Mm. Um, he's, he was at 12.8 for the entire season. He's at 12 point, uh, or 12.9 for the entire season as he's at 12.8 right now. So he's taking mm. like uh, roughly the same number yeah. and he, he's shooting for the season 67.8% on shots inside 10 feet, which is really good. And then he's shooting 75.5%. Um, in the last nine games, which is, you know, amazing, uh, on pull-up shots, right. On just pull-up shots in general for the season, he's shooting 41.5%, which is really good. Uh, in the last nine games, which include that's this sample is part of that previous one. He's at 47.8, which is better than like DeMar DeRozan. He's become an elite shooter catch and shoot. He's at 63% in the last nine games. Uh, if you look at some of the comparison points of this, like last season, he was, if you look at pull-ups, he was at 31%. So 31 versus 47 in the last nine games. And catch and shoot, he's at 30 versus 62.5. So essentially what I'm saying, now, these are not going to count when he gets fouled. So that's part of it, right? It's like if he's drawing yeah, fouls, then he's generating more of those shots on the interior. What I will say is that there's like a healthy amount of, of at least, and like, look, I'd have to go back and just watch every single possession, which I'm probably going to do later in the week for a thing that's coming out on Friday. Um, I'd have to really watch and, and and specifically dive into AD beyond just watching the games to know. But a lot of the indications are that he's having a really good shooting stretch. And you got, I think there you have to be cautious with trying to attribute more sustainable things and rather than taking it at face value, which is like, Hey, he's a really skilled guy and he's got it going. And, you know, even if he falls off a little bit, if he keeps those percentages really high, then he's an unstoppable monster. I think two main differences here feel a little bit more sustainable than just that. Um, one, his free throws are up this year. He's shooting 7.8 free throws per, per game right now. That's compared to the 6.1 that he shot last year and the 5.9 that he shot uh, the year before that, um, the year prior to that, when I think, you know, we really saw like the best of Anthony Davis in a Laker before this, he shot eight and a half free throws per game. So like the more free throws per game that we, yeah. that we see from this guy, like the better. And I think it's it, like free throws are always this really fascinating thing to me. And I think Giannis is always kind of like the nth degree example of this, where if Giannis has a good free throw shooting day, he's not beatable because he doesn't if he has a bad free throw shooting day though then you can kind of keep him from from attacking the basket as hard as he might because he might not want to get to the free throw line and i think ad this year is shooting uh let's see where is he at free throw wise yeah he's shooting 83% from the line and again the the 1920 season when i again we we saw best anthony davis he was 85% from the from the free throw line and so like if he is like in, in the Slack, we had this real long and heated debate about Anthony Davis and and my and, and especially because he wasn't shooting threes to start the season. And the notion from most of the people there in Silver Screen's uh, Slack was that he shouldn't be shooting threes because he just shot 18% from three-point range last year. And I said, yeah, that makes some sense. But I, I also thought that the way that he's shooting free throws would indicate to me that he's a better three-point shooter than he was last year. And I think um, the longer that that continues, where he's shooting almost eight free throws a game and he's making, you know, almost 80% of those free throws, that is a shooter who is capable of doing more things as a shooter 
than he was able to do the last couple of years. So I do think it is a hot shooting stretch, but there are some season long numbers that would indicate to me that he's closer to this shooter maybe this year than he was the last couple of years. And, and yeah, I mean, it, like, at the end of the day, if you're capable of shooting from further out at, at a decent clip, it makes you a more dynamic offensive player, right? That's what like, that's why Steph Curry broke the math in, in the sport is because he's capable shooting from 35 feet away uh, from the basket as you know, your average NBA player is shooting <laughs> like right on the three point line, you know, and, and if AD is able to spread his game out and it forces defenses to have to come out and care about him shooting, even the mid range jumper, then it makes him a lot more. And, and if he's focused on uh, getting and engaged in getting to the basket and isn't afraid to get fouled as I think he was the last couple seasons, then that's like, that's a sustainable model. That's something that he can, he can repeat more often than say the bubble was where he shot 40% from three point range and nobody ever thought that Anthony Davis was a 40% three point shooter. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go so far as to say like, maybe this is just who Anthony Davis is. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I do think, I do think by the end of the season, he's going to be a lot closer to this than he was to the uninspiring Anthony Davis that we saw from the last two years. That feels fair. Yeah, I mean, honestly, part of this is that the uh, that version was below, so far below, right? Like Davis was basically in New Orleans after when he when he kind of came into his own at age twenty two. He was essentially like a thirty percent three point shooter, like that's his career mark is thirty percent. That's kind of what he stabilized yeah. at. Um, he had one good year in two thousand and eighteen with the Pelicans. That was a really great season for them. Um, uh, before he, you know, submarine the entire team and all of the players on it by requesting a trade because he switched agents. Uh, but he shot 34% that season. Next season goes back down to 33, but like that's still fine. You know, and he has um with the the Lakers, he's at 33%, and that was good. And then he was really good in the bubble. And then like last two seasons, you're talking about 26 and 19. And like there's no reason for him to dip below 28% in any given year, given where he's at. Yeah. Um, the questions are mostly about is he a good three point shooter, or is he just like a, yeah, he can make one every now and again. That's enough to open up the offense. A lot of it for me is even less about the three pointers, to be honest with you. It's about, can he hit that triple threat pull up jumper? Like that yeah. to me is like the most important shot in his game, because if he's hitting that pull up jumper and guys can't play off and they have to yeah. crowd, which allows him to get around and allow it's going to draw more fouls. If they have to come up on him, then it just, it opens up every part of his game. Like his triple threat stuff is terrifying because of his height, his length, his skills, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that to me is like the most important one is it's can you the the triple threat post up from the nail, from the deep wing, wherever it is, like are those the shots that he can sustainably and reliably hit? And those are not like, you know, the worst ones for me are when he pulls up. Like that's the one where he's where he tries to go off the dribble. That's that's where I think it gets really rough as i'm like yeah. there's just no reason for you to do that the catch and shoot stuff like those are quality shots so if he's catching and shooting off of stuff that other people create and if you look at the kind of the numbers second spectrum had this the stat that he's only shooting 2.6 percent above expectation on those mm -hmm. which is like that's within reason that's just like hey he's having a really good year that's fine um so there's all these kind of things that that tie into his performance which comes unfortunately with the if he stays healthy um you know there's reasons to think that he can have still a phenomenal year if he stays healthy and if that kind of continues especially it's fascinating him doing this with him playing center and it feels like wow this is everything that, that we could have dreamed of like this is what ad should be and then it's like yeah this is also like what usually gets him hurt and so we'll see how it goes i think it's tough because, you know, people were this morning were like, how can you expect him to get hurt? And there's been a lot of the Kawhi and PG comparisons. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. I, I think that's, I, I think anyone that is like, oh, no, no, no. Kawhi and PG, they're reliable. But Anthony Davis, <laughs> no, come yeah. on. 
like we're I don't think that person exists. I hope that person doesn't exist because it, yeah, it's and, a bullshit like, stance. <laughs> honestly, if we're going to be real in the NBA, I don't know how many reliable guys there are at this point. Yeah, that's the other part of it. I mean, it, when you when you when you have guys who were just sitting the other day, I, who was it? I I had just had my conversation with Lee, in which he said that yeah, it's kind of it, it got frustrating to have to cover games on a night in night out basis and then never know who is going to be playing or why they're not playing. Yep. And that was part of why he, he left covering the sport yep. to go off and actually play the sport. Um, as we're, as after we have that conversation, I saw some Haynes tweet that like, yeah, so-and-so is not playing tonight for rest. And I, I think I messaged Lee. I was like, Hey, look, perfect timing. And, um, yeah, I don't know about reliability and all that stuff. I will say, and I've always thought this with, with, AD's injuries the last couple of years compared to like, say Kawhi's is like Kawhi. He just like, can't like stay on a court and stay healthy based on the way that the Clippers are, are managing him. And I feel like, like last year, AD's now what made me nervous this year was AD starting the year with a back thing that like, we couldn't identify yeah. when he actually tweaked his back. Like that right. to me is different than last year when he has a player fall and, and land in his like kind of knee area. And then another play where he lands on Rudy Gobert's foot, like that, that kind of stuff that's impossible for me to really kind of hold against AD. I do think he has some bad habits in terms of like the way that he carries himself on the court that allow him to, to, you know, more regularly get hurt than say I'll other players. It. Well, it's folly. For me, it's more like he relaxes a lot on the court. Like he, he spends a lot of time just kind of walking in upright. And I, I think that's when you are your most, you're, 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 you're most capable of getting hurt. Like the play that he, who was it against? I want to say Minnesota where McDaniels, I believe like LeBron kind of pushed off McDaniels falls and, and lands around AD's knees. And if AD was in a more kind of like ready posture, he may maybe is able to like, you know, get his hands down there and def deflect the contact or bounce away from it or whatever. But because AD was just kind of like standing there flat footed, he gets landed on and, and really kind of messes up his knee there. Um, and I think, you know, that's the kind of habit that I wish he would kind of break and, and, and maybe that keeps him a little healthier or protects him from some of those freak injuries. But, uh, like when I look at guys who have like, right, you're, you're a chiefs fan, right? So, um, I believed very heavily in the, in the wide receiver that, uh, they, uh, acquired from the giants and what's his name? Uh, Tony. Yeah. Uh, Tony. Yeah. Kadarius Kadarius, mm -hmm. right? Kadarius, uh, Kadarius Tony. Tony. And it's just like perpetual hamstring injury that he just always has. And uh, I don't pay nearly as much attention to Kadarius Tony as I do to guys in the NBA, but those those perpetual soft tissue injuries are the ones that I say, okay, yeah, that guy is not reliable. That is unreliability. There's something going on there that that guy is just not available for. And I don't know necessarily that I'm willing to call AD as unreliable as guys who have those kind of you know lingering soft tissue injuries that you can't ever really identify when they got hurt in the first place. And I, I've always thought that the injury conversation about AD was, was, was kind of maddening. I think it always, I, I, I don't want to rant about the TNT guys or whatever, but I feel like it has a lot to do with the fact that those guys constantly are harping on, you know, Anthony Davis's street clothes and this and that and the other. And that sets up a narrative about it without really looking into the types of injuries that he's dealing with. I just think, like AD isn't isn't that kind of player to me. Well, that's he funny doesn't though, because like it. it's like I don't think you should use that line of logic. And the reason okay. I would say that it's not a good argument for you okay. is that makes it worse. Like what? with 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 Kawhi, it's like he's got a he has a digit like. I think there's a lot of stuff to be talked about in terms of how he left San Antonio. I think that story okay. has not been told in full for a number of reasons, and I yeah. do not think that it was portrayed in the exact most accurate way. However, like there's been a lot of reporting that it's a degenerative knee issue. 
And like yeah. that threatens his career. And so like, you should be like, I don't know if you're ever going to, when you're like, I don't know if he's ever going to be available. I think you're absolutely right. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets tricky though. Cause what you're saying is like, he doesn't have these like recurring degenerative stuff. Okay. But these smaller things derail him. Like, and this is where it gets, this is, this is what I, I struggle with. Okay. I am never going to criticize an NBA player for pain tolerance. And there's not yeah. a but to this. Mm-hmm. And a, here's a huge thing. If you have locker room access, you are going to see things that, that paint the stuff in a new light. Mm-hmm. Because you see how much pain those guys are yeah. in a lot of the year. Oh, yeah. The icing and just like you'll see them sit in the locker room. Oh, you ever watch these guys walk? Yeah, especially like after you, they're retired. Yeah. Like you just you watch any of these yeah. guys walk and what we're asking these right. guys to do with their bodies is obscene. Now, yeah, no, 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 no. That's what the money is for. Yeah. And no, they fair. know that and they get great treatment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I don't think this is But a it's pain still pain. <laughs> yeah. And I don't and I'm like I'm not gonna judge it because if I'm like, I don't feel good, I'm not gonna write. Like this it's not the same. Um I don't, so I don't, I don't even think it's a pain tolerance thing, but for whatever reason, AD consistently suffers injuries that he feels he is not able to play through. And they're not rooted in any one malady that you can address. And Kawhi's probably never going to get better, but with a lot of guys that you're talking about with the soft tissue injuries, like Drew Holiday had this. Yeah. And then he got past it. And Bradley Beal had this. And then he got past it. And then he decided to miss a lot of time for various reasons, which I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but like there are, there are these guys that just, they had these, the, the, this was how they were defined is they were always hurt. They had this one injury that they could not get. And then they got over it. And that was like, they just, as they got older, it wasn't as bad with AD. It seems to consistently be that he suffers things that make it unable for him to play throughout the course of a game. With all the back to the locker room, back out, back to the locker room, back out. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen three times in a game. Yeah, and no, then, it, it is always. I remember when I was playing fantasy NBA stuff, it was always some notification. Anthony Davis is heading back to the locker room. Like, yeah, like street clothes is the most popular nickname for him. Like, I prefer Anthony Day to Davis. Like, that yeah, to me is, what a, I is a better one. Yeah. So, a lot of this just gets into is he to blame for that? And my answer is like, no. Like, AD can't help that his body is not able to play basketball, get hit, sustain these injuries, and feel like he cannot play. I don't know that that's like a mental toughness that you can even inspire in yourself. No, I don't I, think. I, I think it has a lot to do with what he's what he's asking his body to do compared to other guys out there, right? Like he is yeah. given given what he has to do, like especially back when he was playing for Vogel where Vogel had him switching out onto the perimeter and he's playing, he's defending guards who were trying to drive in on him after getting what they deem a, a, you know, an advantage in a switch. He's doing that. And then he's also hustling back to getting to, to get back and, and, and try to rebound and try to contest people at the rim. And, and then also, by the way, the notion of setting a screen on somebody like even a guard, even like a, a even your typical guard is still like a, a bigger human being than average. So it's like, you, you said but that, but if he's going to play center, that's the job. No, I know. I, I, absolutely. And I think that's, and it's fair to, to, to mention that stuff. And, and I think that's fair. That's, that's why I want them to trade for miles Turner is right. so that like, we can get, we can, we see what Darvin Ham's system looks like when he has a reliable center there. And I don't want that. The only reliable center to be Anthony Davis. I would yeah. like to, to, to bring miles Turner into this to, oh, to add to that. My- my, my kind of key here is just that you, when you go to the point of you can, I think it's fair to defend him against allegations that he is soft. I think that's mm-hmm. because that one, that word is loaded with all sorts of bad connotations yeah. that we shouldn't use. But two, I think it really does a disservice to how pain functions. Like it does a disservice to like what pain is really yeah. like it's a failure to understand it. And I think that there are, look, I think there are guys that just have, an extreme amount of pain tolerance. Yeah. I think there are, and I'm, and I'm admire and I'm impressed by those guys. I also don't think that's something you can develop or work on or like, I personally just don't, unless you're just like, I'm going to go get hit by sticks for an entire summer. Right. Like, I just don't know what it would, I don't know what that would take. Um, yeah. 
But I also think you can't go the route of like, well, when you really look at it, he's not that injured. You got no, like we can be honest about AD. He is often injured. It is likely that he's going to miss some more time this season. The ideal scenario would be that he maintains a high level of play, even if it's below what's been the last nine games. And then when he returns from injury, he looks just as good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess the reason I, I, I try to stay away from the injury conversation with Anthony Davis isn't because like I don't like the truth that I'll find if I talk about it. It's just that I, I find a lot of it very disingenuous and ignores a lot of the context. Like you're saying, I get eventually another injury is going to happen and he's going to miss time. Like, yeah, sure. Every, every single star in the NBA, I don't think there's going to be a star who plays eight, eight, no, 75 games this year. Like, do we think, do, do, like, is, is there a, a start? Like, is 70 just kind of the new number that everybody just kind of has to hope for? Unless you're Jokic. You know, like, and, and Jokic, like, Jokic somehow being able to do this when he looks like Jigglypuff is just incredible. But, like, yeah, yeah I, it, but I, I just think, and, and look, we talk about, like, what Anthony Davis asks of his body. Jokic isn't jumping, and, 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 like, last night, AD had a, a, a dunk or an alley-oop that he caught where his elbow's above the rim. Jokic never has to do that. Like, that's not something Jokic ever expects of himself to do. It's but just again, like, if, but again, I, though, I, like, that's how, that's how to make him the best that he can be. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like it's and that's, part, it's I don't, I, but that's why I, I don't know. I guess it's not, I move, I find myself kind of moving away from the conversation about Anthony Davis's health because I don't know. There's so much, there's so much, there's so many angles of it that I just, I just get really bored of. I just think it gets, guess, it gets on I both, thing, both though, ends of the you spectrum. Don't have to like, engage with it. You don't have to no. engage with it, but I, there's a difference between, I don't want to engage with it, which yeah. is fair. And I don't think that's true, which is not based off of probability. Yeah. Right, and those two things no. are not the same. But right. also, that's say what I'm saying. Like the, the one end of the spectrum that you're talking about is, I don't think it's true. And then the other end of the spectrum is, that guy's a pussy. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere involved in those two sides of the spectrum. Like, yeah, I mean, look, that's not something I, I work. I, want. A, I work in a betting space, right? So we're trying to figure yeah. out like what the, where the value is, and so we talk about markets and these types of things. And in the NBA, it's a business. It's a very like it's a it's a big money business, and so guys are talked about as assets. And as much as the, that conversation is discussed in certain terms, yeah, there is almost no way to discuss injuries with NBA players without it being on some level to some degree dehumanizing, no matter yeah. how much empathy that you try and engage with, no matter how many times you try and, and caveat, like you talk about it and you're like, God forbid he gets hurt or, you know, like hopefully he gets healthy. And you say these things as platitudes because you don't want to sound unempathetic and cold, but yeah. in order to have these conversations from a output results, business betting wins and losses standpoint, you have to. And so you have to kind of choose like, and a lot of fans choose not to like, they want to be somebody that's always empathetic and is always like in touch with the player as a person. And like, that's their priority. And I don't begrudge them that. I just think that there's, there's enough space in here for us to talk about multitudes. Like I have a lot of empathy for Anthony Davis. It sucks to be in pain as much as he is. Mm -hmm. Whenever somebody has surgery, this is what drives me crazy. Whenever a player has surgery, whenever they have surgery, the talk is about, Oh no, they're going to be out this long. Oh no. And it's like, if your if your brother, if your friend, if your parent yeah. has surgery, you have to think about things like how are they gonna get around? No, like, literally. How, my my, like, <laughs> my my letter my uh my mother in law literally just had surgery on her ankle. And um Jen was like, Yeah, she's gonna be non weight bearing for six to eight weeks. And it yeah. was so funny to hear six to eight weeks put You're right in terminology that that isn't like no that person is going to be back in six to eight weeks it was this person can't step on her right foot for six to eight weeks and what does that mean for like just being a a a live human being i've been (laughs) critical of michael porter jr in so many contexts that kid's had three back surgeries yeah it's crazy that sounds like hell yeah you know so but here's but here's the problem is what you can't do is you can't try and cross the streams. You can't be like, so I don't want to engage with this because it's dehumanizing. And so you're wrong. Like those two things are separate, right? Whether or not the person's assessment is accurate or not, if you don't want to engage with it, that's fine. I don't have any, I don't have any problem if you're just like, I don't want to talk about the injuries. 
you know, I respect him as a, as a player. I hope he stays healthy. Like, can we talk about him when he's on the court? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah we can do that. That's fine. As long as you understand that, like, the probabilities, the probability is based off of his career and of previous events that that's going to limit him. And we also don't know what those injuries are going to cause in terms of a, de- of a deterioration of so many of the things that make him so good at his peak, which is what we're seeing now. Like you yeah. wonder if Anthony Davis, like, do I think that Anthony Davis isn't talented enough to play like this all the time? Or do I think that Anthony Davis is often too hurt to play like this all the time? And I kind of think it's the latter, even if he's having on the really good stretch right now. I, I don't, part of it is that I don't, I don't know necessarily that Anthony Davis knows and accepts what makes him the best version of Anthony Davis. Like you, you mentioned that like he's the the real Hooper and that he wants to take certain shots because those are the types of shots that real Hoopers prioritize. Like, yeah, sure. But all I'm hearing there is like Anthony Davis thinks that he's the best version of himself when he's taking the least efficient shots that he can take. And that makes it really like, I think that's a much more fascinating conversation than like, is he, is he available? Like either he is or isn't. (laughs) isn't. You know what's funny on this is, uh, okay. When I got dunked on by KD, um, we were talking about the first conversation was about Andrew Wiggins and then it became about Zach Levine. And the conversation that I thought was really interesting is that outside of KD dunking on me, KD actually engaged for a second and was talking about how, look, sometimes in your career, you play so many games across so many possessions and your career is so long. You have to take shots that aren't the best outcome for the moment or the team or whatever, because it helps you develop that part Mm -hmm. of your game. And that's going to make you the best player you can be. Yeah. And he said that about Zach Levine. And what's interesting is like Zach Levine started taking more threes and became a star, but he also became freaking lethal in mid range. Now, Zach still has a really healthy balance of perimeter shots versus interior. And we see the same thing with Andrew Wiggins where like he takes more threes in golden state. Cause he's not, doesn't have the ball in his hands, but guess what? Andrew Wiggins is also a really good two point shooter. Now, if Wiggins had the ball in his hands, and was trying to play like DeMar DeRozan, he would still probably look pretty bad, yeah. but he doesn't have to do that in golden state, right? He gets to be a corner spot up shooter who also takes a healthy amount of mid range off the ball. Cause he's got that skill, but he wouldn't have had that skill unless he went through those years in Minnesota when he's chucking them up and everybody's like, why are you taking these shots? So yeah. it's this question of like a long-term growth perspective. And with AD, it's tricky because he's 29 and you're like, you're 20. Like we're trying to win a championship now, but yeah. it may not be like a multi-year process. And even if it's yeah. not, like you're still going to have Anthony Davis in three years. And so there is like part of this that works towards him becoming a player in time that he wants to become. It's hard, I think, to tell players objectively. Like, this is, I will say this for whatever criticisms you have of Daryl Morey, I'm always impressed by the fact that he manages to get coaches to convey the thought of, we don't care. Like, if you're going to be on this team and you're going to get paid, we want you to do the exact things that we want you to do. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how we play. This is our identity. This is what we do. Right. And in ways, that's not necessarily any different from, Oklahoma city, which is like, you're going to be professional. That's their big thing is like, no matter what you do, you're going to be professional. Like we're not going to tolerate a lack of professionalism, whether it's being late, understanding your assignments, doing the homework, doing the workout, doing the rehab, like whatever it is, right. Mm -hmm. You put those kind of standards on them. And if you give guys freedom the way that the Lakers have to, because of their specific team construct, I think you have to bake in a little bit of those players exploring what they want to do because the Lakers and the Nets are not that dissimilar. Yeah. I think, I think the big thing here is, and was it you? I forget who said it, but like some, some, Oh no, it was uh, Paul in, in um, the meeting that we just had. He was like, yeah, Anthony Davis just like figured out how to play basketball again. Or remember that he knows how to play basketball a certain way. And like, yeah, Daryl Morey and, 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 in organizations that have that amount of sway with, with say players who don't have the amount of empowerment that, that uh, like LeBron might have, or AD might have by proxy, uh, you know, with LeBron, you do have to kind of hope that they, in, in the Lakers case and in the Nets case, you have to hope that they just figure it out on their own, that they come to the, yeah. to the, the, to that realization on their own. And in this case, again, like, 
I can understand why there are people who are skeptic that and I am one of those people who are kind of sort of skeptical myself that like AD will just say, yeah, that was fun. But like, I could just go back and take a bunch of these shots. And I think part of it too is look, you're Anthony Davis. You're seven feet tall. You can do, you can jump on your jump shot. Like not even just like with a runway, you can get up 40 inches off of the ground. No, on your jumper, you can just like flex your calves one time and bang, you're 27 inches off of the ground and nobody can contest that shot. So it's for me, a a groundbound round human being to tell that person hey <laughs> uh that's not a good shot i can understand why he would tell me specifically fuck off yeah. <laughs> you can't shoot right. this you know yeah. and 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 so like i i think like that's that's a part of this that you know with the lakers and you use them and, and the nets as an example we basically just have to sit back here and hope that ad figures this out on his own and while I am kind of skeptical for the variety of reasons that I've presented or we've presented over the course of this podcast, why he might, you know, regress at some point, I also don't blame fans who were just saying, you know what, this is really effing fun. And I hope, like, yeah. can I live in a world? Can I live in a universe? Well, this is just his approach from here on out. I can't, I can't hold that against anybody. Um, and, and look, I'll, I'll say this. I just pulled these numbers up. Uh, he's taking... Per 100 possessions, so adjusted for pace, this season he's taking significantly fewer jump shots mm-hmm. than he has in uh, any of the last four seasons. So yeah. it was nine last year. It was 10 the year before. Um, I'm sorry, it was 12 the year before, and then 10 the year of the championship in the bubble. He's down mm-hmm. to six this year. He's taking yeah. six jumpers per 100 possessions. That's really good. Uh, he's taking 14 layups. Per 100 possessions for every 100 possessions he's on the floor it was 10 last year in the in the championship season it was around 10 so he's taking more four more layups there um post-ups you know he's taking a, a little bit he's taking the kind of like in the middle uh, on post-ups which is which is fine so mm-hmm. like some of that backs up kind of what you're saying about the uh about the shot distribution and yeah i think on some level too you kind of have to be like I want the best players in the world to be on like the, for years, the Lakers were able to get the, have their cake and eat it too. You had the best players in the world mm-hmm. and you had top down structure where it was Dr. Bus, Phil. Yeah. Players. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, if Kobe and Phil clashed at times, or it was Dr. Bus, Pat magic, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was a top down structure. You do not have a top down structure anymore. Okay. You have a unilateral. They're trying. Like, <laughs> they they really they really 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 want to make it look like they're trying, but no. You yeah. you have a silo structure where you have LeBron and AD mm-hmm. and Clutch, and then they have input on the rest of the roster, and then like the other parts kind of share in that and are are there. And and Darwin trying to weave in and out through all those type of things. So if you don't have that, then you kind of have to say like you have to choose in the modern day NBA. I mean, again, the Nets are facing this decision, right? do you want the talent and none of the control or do you want the control and less of the talent? And yeah. if the Lakers, you, you want the talent, but that means accepting that they get to determine the path, their path. And you kind of, I think as fans, you have to have some level of, okay, like this, I don't want to not have you. So I trust you to figure out the best way to the championship. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, so far in these last 10 games, it's AD coming to that realization and, and maybe, in the next 10 games, he'll go back to some of what we saw the last two seasons. I, I I don't know. I want to end on this, though, really quick. You mentioned that if this is Anthony Davis here on out, the Lakers can be good. You use the word um, good here. Is that good based on current roster construction, or is this good taking into account that maybe the maybe just maybe the roster might improve? We're still here, I promise. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> this is the question um, I've been racking my brain over for a while, so I understand you wanted to take I think time. you can be good with the roster as constructed. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can be good on a Laker level with the roster constructed. Like, yeah. is if you're just like, yeah, I just, I just want to make the eighth seed, then you can yeah. be good. If that's good, then you can I get there. that's Laker-specific. I think it's LeBron... 
yeah. expectations. It, and if you're like, oh, we want to make the playoffs outright. Boy, it would take a lot, but I, I guess I could theoretically, because of where the West is, I could theoretically see you being able to reach a six seed. And then it's like, hey, who knows? Anything can happen. We have LeBron and AD. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just tell you, like, I'd be looking at Lakers futures. I'd be like, they have LeBron and AD and they're in the, and they're in the playoffs. As long as they're in, I'm going to be terrified of those guys yeah. no matter what. Like, you should be scared of those guys. That's that's yeah. a really in, intense combination. You know, the trades, I think, are such a nebulous thing because of how many options are 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 and are not out there i think it's tough to kind of determine um so yeah i just think that there's probably now i i just look the he played awesome versus the suns and they lost close and he played awesome versus the bucks and they won and that was a good win and i was on the lakers in that game i bet the lakers in that game i love that spot for them the schedule's been so bad and look i say all the time that's how you get into the playoffs i say the three things you gotta do is you gotta beat your division teams you got to win at home and you got to beat the bad teams. So those like beating the Spurs, that counts, but that's yeah. absolutely helpful. It, it's just like a matter of, if you want to be good, you're probably going to have to knock off some of the not good teams that are not horrible. And there's yeah. been a lot of the not good, horrible teams on the schedule lately. Yeah. I think I agree. I agree that six seed is absolute best case scenario without a trade. And then depending on the trade from there, you're kind of building your floor from that point forward. Where like if they make an even somewhat logical trade that brings back a wing maybe, or if it is the healed and Turner trade, then sure. If the Lakers go completely dumb and, and they trade for another guard for some reason, then like then, <laughs> then I'm, I'm redoing some of the math on this. But like I think, I think they can be probably okay to pretty good without a trade. And I think they can be legitimately good to title contender, depending on the trade. And, and that's, you know, AD playing the way he has so far this year, I've written about it a ton. I think it should be enough to, to get them to, to move those picks. But, but what do I know? Um, all right. Anything that you want to plug before we get out of here, this is Matt Moore of the action network. Um, they do a ton of insanely smart and insanely good coverage. So why don't you plug uh, some of it that you're working on? Download the Action Network app. You got a whole bunch of cool stuff in it. You'll find something that interests you. Um, even if it's just you want to track scores, our API for tracking scores is the fastest of any of any app I've seen. It's not loaded down with anything. Like the entire purpose is just to get the scores to you. We're not loaded down with ads or trying to promote this, that, or the other. Like we get the scores to you fast and you're going to be, I've tracked it. We're ahead of the TV feed in arena. <laughs> like I've tracked it from what happens in the arena when it goes in the app and then when it shows up on TV. So download that Um, in there, you'll find my podcast buckets. If you've got any sort of betting interest whatsoever, we do on Mondays and Fridays, future episodes. We talked about AD on yesterday, on today's episode, on Monday's episode, talking about does he have a realistic chance at MVP? Uh, I don't think so, but you know, we'll see where the value gets to in here in a few weeks. Um, We'll talk about Lakers as a playoff potential future, all those type of things. You can catch that out on Mondays and Fridays or our futures episodes and best bets throughout the week. You can follow me on Twitter at HB basketball. Please be nice. I (laughs) 100% please be nice to Matt on the internet. Like I always just feel so like, and maybe it's because I understand what it feels like. Like right now I have a, I have a tweet that people are super angry at. I have no idea reason why, but I, yeah, I said that LeBron, LeBron and AD being able to overcome Rush Schroeder and Pat Bev at the same time to pull away late should be a reason enough to trade for these guys to get them more help. And all Russell Westbrook fans are livid at me for saying yeah. Russ's name here. So, yeah, I, I think I, um, it's because I can I can sympathize. But yeah, look, please be nice to Matt. Well, no, I'll just say this. Here's a, here, I guess here, <laughs> not even for for like be nice to poor little me because I'm not one of the people that gets the most grief on the internet uh, or abuse. That's, you know, women and minorities, but I'll say this. If you try and engage me on like an honest level, if the person this morning had just been like, Hey, you tweeted this. What do you think now? I would have been like, here's the deal. I just, I'm going to, I really, I I tend to try and be somebody that does respond to people if they want to have a conversation. And I'm very open to the idea of being wrong. The biggest thing that I get upset about is when people are like, you don't want to admit that you're wrong. I'm like, I'm wrong about so much all the time. I thought the Celtics were going under. I have like, I have a lot of money on the Celtics under that is now dead. <laughs> it's dead. Okay. Um, so 
please. I'm yeah. very much willing to admit that I'm wrong about things. This stuff is hard. Um, yeah. But we can always be like, and if you're, if you, if you show that kind of, you just come to me and they're just like, Hey, what, I want to know what you think about this. Then I'll, I'll tell you. And we can just have like a good conversation as opposed to just me and me, me being snarky and mean and being obnoxious. I don't want to be obnoxious. <laughs> I try not to be. All right. Again, that is Matt Moore of the Action Network. A ton of great new, great uh, work that they're doing over there. Whether you're better or you're not, you just want to be more informed on, on, on not just basketball, but like all of sports. I've really enjoyed the NFL coverage this year. Um, again, the Action Network is where you can find that. And Matt, thanks, man. Thanks for hopping on. Please be healthy and, and happy and and uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's, I'm so bummed that we didn't get Vegas. Or I didn't get to go to Vegas this year. I would have loved to to catch up. Maybe sometime soon. Maybe sometime soon. Thanks, man.